0: well last week at uh uh at riverstone i uh, shared a message uh that i want to share with you and uh uh not because i didn't want to work on a new sermon but uh uh well maybe that was part of it but uh, uh it's, um, i it's i feel like this word was a mandate uh to them and obviously are uh, having the same uh genetic code uh, dna as churches uh, I, I want to share this with you because i think it's important for us in terms of uh, the direction we're going, uh, uh, at Riverstone we're doing a series on Galatians and a number of weeks ago uh, Tom preached on the whole issue that uh, we're not to mix grace with law, we're not to go back to the law, we're to live in grace and obviously whenever you, you preach that the question is raised and it was raised by the Galatians uh, because I think Paul's addressing that in, uh, in the scripture we're going to look at, well if you don't go back to the law then what's to keep you from going into sin? was to keep you from going into the flesh and to give yourself to the desires of the flesh. And so in, uh, in chapter uh, uh, 5 of Galatians, uh, Paul deals with that. And uh, if we'll begin looking at verse 16. Uh, I think we've got it up here on the screen. Well, I don't know if that's any bigger than my Bible, so I was going to read it off the screen, but I might read it off my Bible. <laughs> just put my glasses on. Um, let me just read this to you. So I say, live by the Spirit. And I, I think King James, some of the other translations say, walk in the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of your sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're, they are in conflict with each other. So that you do not know what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. And Lord, we, we pray now that uh, again, Lord, uh, you would reveal the truth Lord, that uh, you have for us in this hour, particularly, Lord, as we are seeking to uh, to mold these churches and to mold our lives, Lord, according to your will and according to your purpose in this hour. So uh, we give you this time. We ask now that you, by your Spirit, would impart truth into our hearts and uh, and that, Lord, we would get it. We would get the things that you have for us in this day, for we pray in Jesus' name. Basically, in uh, verse 16 of chapter 5, Paul says, uh, the the way you keep from going off into the flesh and gratifying the desires of the flesh is to walk by the Spirit. Now, to be honest, and if we were all honest with each other, I'm not sure we believe that. And the reason I think we have trouble believing that is that we know many Spirit-filled Individuals, spirit-filled leaders, spirit-filled churches that have gone off into the flesh, uh, particularly in the American culture, we see it constantly. Where where people who are filled with the Spirit and claim to be and indeed are, uh, eventually go off into sin or go off into the flesh in some way. And uh, and it, as we see this over and over again, we say, "Well, Paul, uh, is this true? I mean, if if a person is filled with the Spirit, does it mean they're not going to sin? Does it mean that that's going to keep them from?" giving themselves to gratifying their selfish desires. Uh, just kind of in the newspapers over the last five weeks, I've seen this so many times. It, 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 if you look further down where we just read, uh, Paul kind of gives this list of the works of the flesh. I'm not going to go through those, but I, I do want to kind of lift up uh, maybe three or four of them uh, because of uh, what I've seen in the newspapers recently, and I'm not going to call out ministries and names, but just uh, you, you're familiar with what's going on out in the Christian world. Sexual immorality, here we're talking about sex before marriage, sex outside of marriage, we're talking about homosexuality, we're talking about all of these kinds of things, and, and we've seen people claiming to be filled with the spirit to go off into, these, uh, into sexual immorality. Uh, and another thing that he mentions here is not uh, simply sexual immorality, debauchery, which means uncleanliness, and the number of spirit-filled believers who are addicted to pornography. Uh, going off into the flesh again. Uh, uh, another one, uh, another issue that he speaks of is, uh, dissension and factions. Uh, people who, churches claiming to be spirit filled suddenly exploding in, in, in these factions and judgments and criticisms to one another that just simply uh, tear a church apart. Uh, power struggles and that kind of thing. And maybe here's the big one selfish ambition how many times I have seen individuals and leaders and churches that claim to be functioning in the power of the Spirit and are functioning in the power of the Spirit, and they begin to use the power of the Spirit to enhance themselves, to enrich themselves, to empower themselves. They, They begin to use the things of the Spirit for the fulfillment of selfish desires. And, and as I said, you know, we've seen it in the newspaper where there's ministries that are enriching themselves because of their spirit-filled posture. There are leaders that are empowering themselves, uh, promoting themselves because of their spirit-filled power. And uh, it, it seems like everywhere we look in the church today, folks who are going after the things of the Spirit uh, it doesn't seem to stop them in terms of spinning out into the things of the flesh. So the question is, what does Paul mean by this when he says if we would, uh, live in the Spirit, if we would walk in the Spirit, we would not gratify the things of our, our sinful nature? And, uh, and to understand, uh, matter of fact, I, let me kind of share this. I had a, uh, a, a man who was a, a tremendous mentor in my life when I was up at Asbury. And, uh, I appreciated him so much, but he was very closed to the uh, charismatic renewal. And, uh, and, and he said this one time. He says, It seems to me that when anybody has a charismatic experience, it cuts the moral nerve in their life. And that was pretty brutal. But I, I can, I don't agree with that, but I can understand where he's coming from. You see, so many people who claim to be spirit filled and yet, uh, they give themselves over to the flesh and even use their life in the spirit or their ministry in the spirit as a means of, uh, of fulfilling selfish desires. So, uh, so what's going on and what's, what's the problem here? And, uh, to understand the problem, and I, I think there are a number of things I, I want to share with you. And first of all, I just kind of want to back up and, and, and basically talk about, uh, the, the dual work of the Holy Spirit in our life. Uh, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, I, I, I'm convinced that there's this kind of harmonious work that, that, that the Spirit desires to do in our life, and it kind of comes in two levels. One is, uh, He desires to bring power, and the other is, He desires to bring holiness. Uh, these are kind of the, the two dimensions of His work. Uh, to me, it's kind of like breathing in and breathing out. Uh, if uh, The Bible teaches us that um, as believers in Jesus Christ, we are, we are really people of the age to come. That's our age, not this present evil age, the age of the flesh and sinful desires, but we are people of the age to come of the kingdom of God, of when Jesus establishes his kingdom on earth. And it is the work of the Holy Spirit to minister in and through our lives the manifestations and evidence of that coming age where Jesus is King. Uh, in other words, the, the the manifestations and the evidences of the kingdom of God within our life. This is this is his his work. Jesus sent him to us. He's in us. We we are temples of the Holy Spirit, so that the Holy Spirit can manifest the the works of the kingdom of God in our life. And as as we read the word, there are kind of two things that that the Spirit desires to do. When the kingdom of God comes to this earth and Jesus reigns and his kingdom is set up and the the age to come is here, uh, one of the things that we discover as we read the word of God is that it will the power of God will be seen and known without resistance. Now, in this present evil age, there is resistance to the power of God. But in the age to come, there will be no resistance to the power of God. Uh, There will be no more sin, uh there will be uh no more sickness there will be no more devil uh there will the, these these dynamics that we know in this present evil age will no longer be here and uh and we'll live in a life where there will be no more resistance to the goodness and kindness and the power of God now the holy spirit uh desires to minister into our life as believers a power that gives Uh, how can I say, measures of the age to come now in this present evil age. (laughs) That by the power of the Holy Spirit, He can minister into our life the ability to bring people to Jesus Christ. Uh, He can bring into our lives uh, the power to bring people into the fullness of the Holy Spirit. To heal the sick. to, To deliver people from demonic bondage that these are signs of the kingdom, signs of power. I'm not saying we can experience these things in the fullness that we will when Jesus returns. But but Hebrews says, even in this present evil age, we can sample the power of the coming age. We can taste of that power, and we taste of it through the Holy Spirit's work within our life as we open ourselves to Him. And so one of the desires of the Holy Spirit is to release within us the power of the coming age, to release within us uh the power of the kingdom of God. This is this is his purpose and his his desire for us as, as believers in Jesus. But there's also another dimension, because when God reigns in the coming age, uh, he will be known without limit. The presence of God, his holiness will be known without limit. There will be no uh, barrier to seeing God and knowing Him for who He is. And that means the incredible facets of the presence of God will be seen and known in all of His fullness. Right now, there's blockage to that because we live in this present evil age. And so one of the works of the Holy Spirit is not only to minister into our life the power of God, but the holiness of God. That we in our lives can begin, even in this age, to experience and taste the marvelous uh, expressions of who God is within our life. As we are in relationship with Him, as we are experiencing Him, Spirit of God begins to reveal to us the wonder and the beauty of who God is. And we 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 know measures of these facets of the nature of God within our life. Now, in, in both of these situations, the power of God and the hol- holiness of God, these are not things that we can get to on our own. <laughs> A human flesh cannot get us there. Matter of fact, that's the whole point of Galatians. Paul is telling the Galatian church, look, you can't go back to the law. The law will not get you to holiness. Holiness means something completely other. It's talking about the nature of God. It's not talking about our nature. And so there's no way we on our own can get to this holy other. The only way we can get to it is that God brings it to us. And so that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Holiness is not a set of laws about what you don't do. Holiness is the power of the Holy Spirit revealing into our life and imparting into our life wonderful facets of the nature of God into our life. And the same with power. Uh, Church life is not meant to be us coming up with cute little programs to try to uh, somehow influence people's lives. Church life is meant to be the manifestation of the kingdom in this world that can transform people's lives. And that can only happen by the power of God. And as Brandon was talking about, you guys kind of uh, uh, experimenting in the area of prophecy. Well, good. Go for it. Uh, seek other areas where we begin to believe God to break through our lives in power because that's the only way that we're going to see the kind of transformation that God wants to bring about in this earth, in this present evil age, and that is by the power of his Holy Spirit. So both of these dimensions are important. Now, in the life of Jesus, we have an incredible model of both of these realities. Because Jesus went around in the power of the Spirit, bringing uh, healing and salvation and fullness and deliverance into people's lives. Uh, the gospel is just full of stories of Jesus demonstrating the power of kingdom. And saying that the kingdom of God is here. And he demonstrated in terms of the power of God flowing through his life to touch other people's lives. And so we see this in Jesus. But also we see uh, this incredible character in Jesus. It wasn't just that he did power, but he did it in the the holiness of God. There was goodness and kindness. There was peace. Uh, He was not going after selfish ambition. He was ministering out of compassion. Many times reluctantly ministering because of the kind of crowd it was creating, but he had to minister out of the compassion for those who were coming to him in faith. So you see this in Jesus, character and power. Character and power as you're reading through the Gospels. Now the Bible says that as believers in Jesus Christ, we need to go for the same thing. The gifts of the Spirit are nothing more than the ministry of Jesus being reproduced in our life. You look at the gifts, that's what they are. It's the gifts of revelation, the gifts of power, the gifts of communication. It is the gifts of Jesus, it is the ministry of Jesus being reproduced within us by the Holy Spirit. And the Bible encourages believers to, uh, to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. But the Bible also says to seek after, as we just read, the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is the character of Jesus being reproduced in our life. So the Holy Spirit, as he did this work in Jesus, wants to do this same work within us. He wants to produce both the power of God and the holiness of God. He wants to produce both the the ministry of Jesus and the character of Jesus in our life. And as believers in Jesus, uh, we need to go for both of these. And, and, uh, and recognize the importance of, of both of them. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. So, if that's the case, why is that not happening? Why are we not seeing that? What's, what's, what's gone wrong? And, and I, I here's what I see that has gone wrong, particularly in the American church. There has been a tragic and great divorce of these two realities. They've been s- split asunder. What God meant to be joined together, <laughs> Man has split asunder. Now, to understand why they have been separated, I need to give you kind of a thumbnail sketch in history. And I want to begin back with John Wesley. Wesley was a leader in a tremendous revival in the late 1700s that impacted England. And as Wesley and his uh, his team were preaching across England and seeing the Holy Spirit move in such powerful ways, Wesley felt like the Lord showed him a truth that had been lost to the church, just like the Lord showed Luther the truth of justification by faith and that had been lost to the church. Luther began to preach that and we had the Reformation. Wesley recognized that we had lost the truth of what he called sanctification by faith. What he meant by that was that believers could, by faith, believe for the Holy Spirit to fill them, and the Spirit of God would come into their life in a tremendous outpouring of his presence to do incredible things in the believer's life. And so Wesley began to preach this, and he told people, he told believers that trusted in Jesus, you need to believe God for the Holy Spirit's work to sanctify you. That was his term, to entirely sanctify you, be be sanctified by the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, when Wesley preached this, basically what he saw was that the primary work of the Holy Spirit in our life was for holiness, He believed that the power of the Holy Spirit could come into a human's life, uh, a believer's life, and radically transform the human will so that we were consistently and passionately choosing for God's will. And he said, this is a work of God. It's not something you kind of screw up your will and say, I'm going to choose for God. This is a work of the Holy Spirit. That's what he meant by sanctification, a powerful infusion of the Spirit of God that would give us the ability to choose God's will in our life and joyously choose it. Not some kind of hard thing that we had to do, but just in the joy of the Holy Spirit, we would choose God's will. Wesley preached this. Many Methodists and other folks came into this experience. The great evangelist Charles Finney in the middle of the 1800s took this another level, began to to kind of package that truth in Pentecostal language, he spoke more of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but it was, a, it was a work of holiness in the life of the believer. Toward the end of the 1800s, the holiness movement uh, began to realize that there was more for believers in the Holy Spirit than they were experiencing. They recognized that to really touch the world and have an impact on the world, that we needed not only a great infusion of holiness in our life, but we needed power, power to do ministry the power of the Holy Spirit to touch the world and transform the world. So by the late 1800s, the church began to cry out to God for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in power. And that outpouring of the Holy Spirit came in the early 1900s at Azusa Street in California, and that was the birth of the Pentecostal Revival. Uh, Basically, the Pentecostal Revival was an incredible outpouring of the Holy Spirit in which the gifts of the Holy Spirit were released in the church in a way that had not been seen since the first century. And 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 the Pentecostal revival was such a catalytic movement that it quickly swept throughout the 1900s, the 20th century. It swept down into Latin America and Africa, and it's probably the primary way in which the church is growing in this day because it is a movement of power, and it's able to break into areas where uh, the enemy has resistance and the power of God comes in signs and wonders and transforms lives and brings healing and holiness and deliverance. And so we're seeing this mighty uh, flanking of the church across the earth because of the power that's being released uh, through the church, through the Pentecostal movement. Unfortunately, when that movement was birthed, the holiness movement pulled back from it for a number of reasons. One was they were uh, a little put out. The Pentecostals saying that they had not been filled with the Holy Spirit. (laughs) When they felt like they had, they just had not experienced this level of power. They were also put out with uh, maybe the emphasis on tongues and some of the other things that were coming out of that movement. And so there were, and, and also because many of their holiness churches were being swept into this movement and it was kind of a power issue. So they kind of pulled back and said, you know, uh, we're not going to be a part of that movement. Even some of them took the position that uh, you know, some of these gifts are of the devil. You shouldn't have anything to do with this. On the other side, the the the, the Pentecostal movement, the movement of power, uh, kind of pulled back from holiness. Now, in the early days of the Pentecostal movement, men like Smith Wigglesworth had an incredible blend of power and holiness. Matter of fact, Wigglesworth probably, uh, he, God used him in powerful ways in healing, but he probably preached more about holiness than he did power. Because he came out of a holiness background. He recognized the power of the Holy Spirit to, to work in his life. And so, uh, in those early days, you saw this wonderful blend of power and holiness. But as the movement kept going, it kind of dropped the whole holiness thing and just went for power. Uh, eventually, the Pentecostal movement kind of morphed into the charismatic movement. And, and what you have are these, the, this, this, uh, this movement that has this emphasis in, uh, in power. So, so, here, here's what you have now. You have a group of people that basically see the work of the Holy Spirit is, is centered around uh, primarily power. It, it's not to say that they don't believe that the Holy Spirit works in the area of holiness. They're just not going for it. Uh, they, they think power is enough. And, uh, and power is the central thing. Uh, these manifestations of power. And not only do you have that, but you have begun to see even now after 100 years of this movement of power uh, that has just kind of one side of the equation, you're beginning to see theologies built around power that can justify selfish ambition, unfortunately, that justify doing things that I believe the Word of God speaks against giving ourselves over to the desires of the flesh. Or at least if it doesn't justify it, it hides it. <laughs> the ministry of power hides these things, hides the kind of sins that people give themselves to because they feel, well, as long as we have power, and God's happy with us, and so we just kind of keep going off in this. So that you end up with a movement uh, of gifts but no fruit. You end up with fleshly ministry. Uh, you end up with people doing the ministry of Jesus without the character of Jesus. On the other side, a group of people that have rallied around, and, and I kind of came out of this movement, rallied around holiness. And they, they kind of have this pushback from power saying, well, you know, I, I don't want, you look at the power crowd and, and they give themselves to sin, so we don't want to have anything to do with power. Power has to do with sin. We don't want to have power. Uh, we don't want to have the gifts. We don't want to go for these things because of the the, the way they've been abused and misused. And so uh, the best, if you're really going to go for holiness, the best thing is to stay away from power. And so it's created these movements in which uh, people are are going for the holiness of God, but without power. And what you end up are these kind of holiness ghettos where uh, where people are not connecting into the world, not having an influence on people who are broken and in need, and and it becomes this powerless purity this pharisaism of judging others because of uh what they don't have but without any power to affect the world around them uh and and so it's a kind of this this powerless uh purity in people's lives uh now i believe that the the greatest deception of the last century is this deception, that the enemy pulled off this incredible move to split these two realities. I think if you look at history and if you look at the Word of God, God's intention was that there would be this great sweep of a holiness movement and then he would download into that the power of the Holy Spirit and you would have this wonderful blend of holiness and power that would have an incredible effect upon the face of the earth. But the enemy... Put those two camps against each other. Split the work. And now you have these, uh, these extremes that don't fully accomplish what God intends for us in this time and in this season. And, uh, and, and, and this is why I felt like this word is a mandate because I, I, I believe God is saying I'm looking for a people who will go for both of these realities. I'm looking for churches who say this is important to us. That we This is what I call the fullness of fullness. That we would go after the fullness of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And the fullness of fullness is to experience both the holiness of God in our life and the power of God in our life. Now, if we're to go after that, how are we to go after it? And let me just give you three things, and then I want to pray for you guys in this area. I think if we're going to kind of reconcile these two parts of the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, uh, we have to be absolutely committed to obey the Holy Spirit in both of these areas. Now, uh, let me say this first of all. These obediences are different from one another. The obedience for power is generally an immediate obedience in a given situation. Uh, That's why you can have a workshop on prophecy because you can ask for that gift in an immediate situation and as you obey the Spirit's prompting, it comes and you can prophesy. Unfortunately, we can't have a workshop in holiness <laughs> because the obedience is different. For, for the gifts of the Holy Spirit and for power, it's an immediate gift. That's why it's called a gift. He gives it to us immediately as we obey the Spirit and move out in the things of the Spirit God gives us the gifts we need in order to minister one another in given situations, whether it's witnessing to a person, praying for a person, speaking into a person's life. As we're believing God for his gifts, he gives us those gifts. He downloads them, and we're able to immediately give those gifts out. So it's kind of an immediate obedience. In the work of holiness, it is a long obedience. As uh, as the book says, a long obedience in one direction. That, that's why I think uh, Paul says here, he doesn't say, if you are filled with the Spirit, you will not give in to the desires of the flesh. He says, if you walk in the Spirit. <laughs> and what he means by that is, by walk, it means you are committed to a long obedience toward holiness, and, and that, is a, that is a guiding star in your life. You say, you know, I'm giving myself to this fully. I want the character of Jesus in my life. And as I do ministry, yes, there are immediate expressions of that of the, that power. But I am also absolutely committed to take the long, long walk toward holiness, and, and that's why it's called a fruit. It takes time to cultivate the ground. It takes time for the fruit to be produced. It's not a gift. It's a fruit. There's a there's a period of time involved that we begin to see the character of Jesus reproduced in our life. That we begin to see these fruits of kindness and goodness and joy and peace and and self control we begin to see them produced in our life as we 're as we 're believing God for that, so uh what I find a lot of times is because power is so immediate, uh, we give ourselves to that because we are an instant generation <laughs> but uh, but the call of God is for both of these realities, and yes we 're to believe for immediate releases of of god 's power in our life, but we 're also to believe for the the ongoing working of the Holy Spirit to bring us into new levels of holiness. So that's the one thing. The second thing is this. Uh, never pit holiness against power and power against holiness. Never use power to fulfill your selfish desires. I, I've often wondered, and I don't know, I'm kind of thinking about this, I've often wondered why Jesus told people not to tell about the healings. You know, I thought maybe one time it was just crowd control, you know. Everybody went out and blabbed and they couldn't go into a town because everybody wanted to be healed. But I sometimes wonder if he was modeling to us the kind of humility by which we should handle power and that we would never use it to promote ourselves. Uh, We would always use it for the glory of God. I mean, here's the Son of God and the Son of Man using power, but he wouldn't promote himself with it. (laughs) He'd promote the kingdom, he would talking about himself, but he would always do it in parables. And you had to kind of give yourself in faith to begin to believe this, you know. Uh, and, and it was like he was saying to us, look, when you handle power, never use it to promote yourself, to enrich yourself, to never use it for selfish ambition. Never use it as a means to cover sin. It, it never pit power against holiness. Uh, Never never play that game. Even if the rest of the church in, in the United States is playing that game, don't play that game. That holiness is too important to use power in some way to cover uh, our sins and, and what God wants to do in our lives. And never use holiness against power. And I've seen that done. I've seen groups of people who say, you know, don't, don't go for the power of God. Don't go after that. It's wrong or it can cause problems or it can cause issues in your life. What I have found is that the safest place to do the ministry of Jesus is in the character of Jesus. And the best way to get into the character of Jesus is through the ministry of Jesus. They are meant for each other. They play off of each other. If you want to know how to become deeper in your holiness, go out and begin to do ministry you'll die to yourself a thousand times. <laughs> you begin to learn what patience is, what goodness and kindness is, what it means to self-control. And if you want to know, uh, you know, if you want to, want to really go after power with full throttle, then make sure you're going after the character of Jesus. Paul, when he's talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, he gives a great teaching on the gifts of the Holy Spirit and prophecy and tongues But remember, right in the middle of those two chapters, he puts 1 Corinthians 13. And he says, look, if you're going to go after these gifts, uh, you need to have love. And and if you look at the the what he talks about love, it's nothing but the fruit of the Spirit. (laughs) He's saying, if you're going to go for these gifts, go for the fruit. And if you go for the gifts and you don't go for the fruit, what you're doing is a, a clanging gong. It will amount to nothing. It may wow the people. For a while, but ultimately it will dissolve and it won't amount to anything if love is not a part of what you're going about. If you're not going after the character of the Lord, so don't pit them against each other. And the third thing I would say is this. Uh, go after both in faith. Believe for both. Now, I'm not saying you can't uh, do ministry until you're holy. <laughs> what I'm saying is, as you go, as you're believing for the gifts... Be just as intentional in believing for the fruit. Saying, Lord, Lord, I, I, I will not divide my faith. Even as I'm ministering to people, I'm crying out to Jesus. Even as I'm saying, Lord, give me a prophetic word. Or Lord, would you give me the, your power to bring healing into this person's life? Even as I'm going for this, these expressions of power, Lord, I want you to give me your character. I want you to use this to teach me how to be more like Jesus. Uh, Lord, I I, I, want to do both. I want to go for power and holiness. This is one thing in which you can multitask. Uh, You can go for both of them, uh, even as you're believing, and say, Lord, I want to believe for both of these realities in my life. Now, uh, as I said, I'm I'm convinced that God wants a people that are serious about this, that will bring back uh, a reconciliation of these, these two realities. And, uh, and what I, what I'm seeing in our churches is a, a group of people who yes want the power of the Lord, but also seeing people that yes want the character of Jesus. And, uh, and, and what I want to say is that we, we have to go for both of those if we're going to really see this community transformed. Because it can't be transformed with one or the other. It's going to take both in order for the fullness of God to be seen. So I want to pray for you guys for this truth to be imparted into you. And then after we pray, uh, there'll be our ministry team will be in the back. If you want prayer in any one of these areas or or if you have a need today, uh, obviously as church is committed to, to uh, seeing the power of God break into people's lives, if you have sickness or a need, financial need or whatever, and you would like for somebody on the ministry team to pray for you, they'd be glad to pray and believe with you for a breakthrough from God. Or, or maybe it's this issue of holiness. You say, you know, there's, there's sin in my life, I need to confess, I need to deal with this, I want to be clean, I want to go for the things that Jesus wants for me, uh, they'll be glad to pray with you. But before we do that, I want to pray over so I can ask Bo and the team to come up and let's stand together and if you would, I wonder if you just kind of uh, grab one another's hands and stretch across the aisles if you need to and... You, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, uh, we want to humbly come to you and confess to you, Lord, that uh, we cannot do church life in our own power and strength. It's not within us. We cannot see the kinds of things we must see uh, in order to change this community we cannot see that in our own flesh and so lord we want to we want to come to you as a people and say would you do a work within us that expresses the fullness of fullness lord the full working of your holy spirit in this body we pray lord that you would make us a people that uh without apology go for the power of god lord we need your power we need your power to change lives, to heal lives, to restore lives, to reconcile lives. Lord, we need your power to move in this place. And so we're asking you, Lord, would you release your gifts in this body? Would you teach us and grow us up in how to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit for this time and this season? And uh, Lord, we are also asking for the full release of holiness. We want to see, Lord, this this church to be a garden of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And that that every wonderful facet of your character would be seen in this body, Lord. Would be seen in our lives, Lord. That we would reflect your kindness and and God, your goodness. Your incredible goodness toward us, Lord. We want that in our lives. We want to reflect it to this community. Lord, your self-control, your love, your patience. Lord, all these wonderful qualities of who you are. This holiness, Lord, that we cannot get to in our own power. We're asking you, by your Holy Spirit... Would you infuse us with these, these, this character, this, this personality profile of Jesus? Would you put it in us, Lord, so that His profile is our profile? We ask, Lord, for all of this. And we pray, Lord, that you would continue to impart into our lives gifts and fruit, fruit and gifts. Lord, that they'd be mixed up together. It would be a garden filled with packages. <laughs> It would be a a package given with fruit, Lord. We pray that we would see such a blending of these two worlds, that we would never separate them. We would recognize, Lord, that, that both your character and your ministry are essential to accomplish your will and purposes. So, Lord, I pray now that in the name of Jesus, you would impart this into the very heart and life and DNA of this body. And that, Lord, their life in this community would be known as a life of power and a life of holiness. And we bless you, Lord. We praise you. We honor you for what you're going to do in the days ahead. Lord, keep our hearts fixed upon you. Keep our lives focused upon you. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to worship. And as we worship, if you... Uh